With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news updates and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of teen sites. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also find us on Twitter at, at Cup of Cubby Blue. And this is our 30th episode. Andy, I'm so excited. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, right? I'm having such a blast doing this with you, and I just, I was so excited when I realized it was our 30th episode. I guess I didn't, I mean, you know, I'm reading the notes, and I see, obviously, it's episode 30, but you just kind of don't, you don't think of it that way, I guess, until you really put it in terms like it is number 30. That's kind of, it's kind of crazy. I mean, when you're having fun, it flies, right? Time flies. Totally. Totally. So if you're here listening, thank you for joining us. If not, uh, if you know someone who might like to listen, share Cup of Cubby Blue with a friend. Cuppas are always better when shared. Um, let's just jump right into this Cubs Red series, which, holy God, roller coaster Cubs. Uh, let's start with the fact that someone clearly listened to our pleas in our last episode and brought some Wrigley magic on the road. The Cubs home uniforms were hanging in their clubhouse in Cincinnati for the first game, which had the Cubs acting like they were at Wrigley, and it was great. What were you thinking during game one, Andy? Um, thank goodness that they brought the right bats to this series because, um, that was pretty amazing to, to have them, you know, start this series off with, um, kind of setting the tone in in that way on Thursday. Um, there was lots of good things about this game, lots of fun things about this game. And it really felt, um, not just as a win in the win column, but like as a win in like a a moral sense, like, yes, we can do this. Like we can actually play how we should be playing against teams that are completely beatable and teams that we should be winning against. So that, that felt really good and, and should have told them something that they could have carried into the next couple of games. However, that's not exactly the way it went, but that first win where, you know, we handed out a little bit of a shellacking to the Reds was nice. Yeah. So I've got to talk about my favorite moment from this game, and it was a play that resulted in an out. Uh, If you missed it, the Cubs won this game 12 to 5. They, you know, uh, jumped out to a 5 to 1 lead, and then the Reds promptly tied it, and it looked like Hamels was really going to struggle through this game. And so it was nice to see them show some fight, put up a four-run seventh, and really do some damage. By the end of the game, the Reds had a position player pitching in Kyle Farmer, And we got to see one of my favorite like little factoids about baseball, which was Javier Baez batting left-handed. 
And the internet promptly caught fire because everybody was like, why is Javi Baez batting left-handed? But if you follow this team and if you love Javi Baez, you know that he is a dominant lefty. And part of the reason that his tags are so incredible and part of the reason he's just such a flashy player the way he plays is that his dominant hand for writing for everything is lefty. He switched to playing right-handed because he wanted to play middle infield and he's obviously great about it. So he bats and uh, plays the field right-handed, but he's actually a lefty. Um, And so this, you know, he like swung as if he was trying to hit the ball to the moon. (laughs) It did not work. It only went to like shallow center field, but I thought this was super fun and I, I loved it. What about you? I absolutely loved it. And um, I think probably the best part of this whole thing was seeing that smile on his face, watching him look in the dugout at all his teammates who also were getting a huge kick out of this and, you know, enjoying the moment. I mean, ultimately, this is a game. Yes, it's played by grown men that are paid a lot of money, but this is a game. It's meant for fun. It's a sport, you know, and to see things like that occasionally is not the worst thing in the world. And when you have a team that can have fun like that, and know that there's a time and a place for things of that nature, then it's, you know, it really is meant to be enjoyed and should be enjoyed. And one thing that I I don't think people realize is that when you're right-handed, your left eye is actually your dominant eye and vice versa. So that's why batting right, like growing up, it was always kind of taught to um, myself and people I played with to try and bat both sides because it really forced you to focus on the ball when you're batting on your natural side, because your dominant eye is kind of your back eye. If you think about it. So, yeah. So, and that's a really, like, people don't really get that. I mean, it, it makes sense once you point that out, but it's, it's something that like, I always batted better left because my dominant eye is my right eye. So when I turn left, obviously my right eye is closer to the ball. It's, you know, can really, detect the the ball coming in better than batting right. So if you um, are learning to bat on your opposite side, then it forces you to really focus on your right side, if that makes sense. So I think people don't really get that about Javi and it's not a well-known fact that he is, I mean, in, in, you know, all aspects of the, of the definition, ambidextrous for him to do that, I mean, I would love to see him switch hit. I would love that more than anything else. Telling you what, he, you know, hits away in the left-handed batter's box. He's going to leg that out. You know, if he hits that to the left side of the of the infield and he's already two steps closer to first base, people don't realize that's that small ball. I mean, it can be effective depending on, you know, what your defensive lineup looks like. But I just think it's such it, it's such an amazing thing. He's so talented and so naturally gifted to have him go up and do that. And people like I don't know who was mad about it. I'm sure somebody was upset about it. I know I heard all the Reds announcers were really like loving it. They love that he did that. Um, but for him to do that, I mean, that's not even a slight, you know what I mean? Like that's something he can naturally do. It was just a matter of trying it in a game. I get where people would think, well, what the heck? But until you actually know that he is a natural lefty, I don't, it's nothing to be mad about. I thought it was actually very cool. Yeah, I thought it was cool. It was fun. Uh, I'm all here for fun baseball. Fun baseball is great. A couple of other notes about this game. Nicholas Castellanos continues to rake. He's ridiculous and incredible. Uh, He had two home runs in this game because why not? 
um, and he just continues to do damage. Unfortunately, his hitting streak would come to an end during this series, but I'm pretty sure he just started a new one today, so that's okay. And then new Cub and backup catcher Jonathan Lucroy showed up and really looked like a guy for whom a change of scenery might be the trick. He went three for five. He had a great game behind the plate. What are you thinking about Jonathan Lucroy? Well, I kind of feel like he came in and just like made himself at home, you know, like probably already has some friends in that dugout, people that he's played against or played with. Um, and he probably felt very comfortable. And you know that this this clubhouse is, is probably a group that is very good at, at welcoming folks um, to the team, especially ones that they know are are there to help, are there to, you know, help back up somebody else. So I, I love him. I'm so glad that they went out and did this. I, I can't wait to see down the stretch, you know, what he means to this team and just his, you know, he's a veteran catcher who's been around the league for a while. And I heard, I thought I heard somebody say during one of the games that he has caught eight pitchers on the staff of the Cubs. That's yeah. quite a few. I mean, that's quite a few pitchers to be familiar with when you're walking onto a new team. So probably not a whole lot that he had to to learn, you know, I mean, he's familiar with these guys. Um, I'm, I'm just happy to see him on this team, to be quite frank. It, it's nice to have another catcher um, until we get our, our wonderful Willie back. But yeah, it, it's, it, he's, he was a great pickup and it was great to see him go three for five in his first game. Yeah, he has uh, caught quite a few of these guys and I'm, I do not have the exhaustive list in front of me, but it includes Cole Hamels, who he was catching um, during that first Reds game. Uh, you Darvish, Brandon Kinsler, and yeah, he has a lot of experience catching the pitchers on the squad. So that's really great to see. Um, in terms of the, the rest of the series, I don't, do we have to talk about game two and three? <laughs> well, can I, can I have confession time for a second? Sure. So, so game two, I did watch, but game three, I really, honestly, I don't have anything to add because I didn't watch a lick of it. I looked at the score twice. I was working a music festival. And when I saw the score steadily climbing, not in the right direction, I kind of stopped paying attention. So typically I don't miss games. If, if I have to miss a game, it's because I, I am working in, in a situation where I can't look at it at all. So this was kind of one of those nights. I just was happy that I, I was able to miss this game. So if you want to bring up something about it, I'm happy to discuss that with you. Otherwise I really don't have too much to add. And I'd, I'd like to just move on past that one. So game three might be difficult for us to talk about because I think this is the first time in 30 episodes where both of us didn't actually see the game. And in my defense, I um okay, so random story time for a second. I wound I up those. with free tickets. I wound up with free tickets to the White Sox game on Saturday, and it was Eloy Jimenez bobblehead day. So there was no way I was going to pass up uh Eloy Jimenez bobblehead. And I wound up giving away those tickets to various people. It was harder than I thought it would be. People were just busy. There were a couple of street fairs in the neighborhood that made it, and concerts that made it hard to get people to go. But so I wound up going with a friend of mine from Utah. And then Danny Rocket, friend of the show, and Corey Finneran, friend of the show, both showed up. Um, and so we all got our Eloy Jimenez bobbleheads. <laughs> and we're hanging out on the south side, sort of looking at our phones and the game um, – the game cast while we were watching the White Sox beat the A's. So that third game may just be one that we don't talk all that much about. I did watch the second game. This was the game where Trevor Bauer made his Reds debut and beat the Cubs. <laughs> um, I, 
I don't want the Cubs to ever lose to Trevor Bauer again. <laughs> yeah, that was, I, he is so strange. What a strange person. He's, he's very strange. Um, I mean, besides, obviously we've discussed his antics and, and how we feel about them, but besides all that, like, I just feel like a lot of what he does is him seeking attention. I just, I don't know why. I just always, I'm like, you're a good pitcher, dude. You don't need to be so strange. You don't need to be so weird. Like, you know, and maybe that's just who he is. Maybe I'm, you know, being judgy, but to me, I just, I'm like, really, why are we on the mound? Like throwing, you know, a hundred mile fastballs at your catcher to warm up. Who's not even actually your catcher. Like he doesn't even have all the equipment on and you're whipping these balls at him. Like you're going to hurt him. (laughs) Right. Like, why? Why is it necessary? I don't know. I just, I'm being judgy, but it, I just, I'm not a fan. And it just, he rubs me the wrong way and stuff like that is just really, I feel like very unnecessary. So yes, please, let's never lose a game to him ever again. So to to just look at this box score here, and then we can return to this game for a second. Um, Nicholas Castellanos hit another home run in the first inning because he is that guy. And I love him for it. The Cubs promptly lost that lead. You know, you Darvish had a bit of a moment after this game where he was asked about his performance and he basically gave his line and was like, I gave up four hits, but there were three home runs and that effing sucks. <laughs> I was kind of like, you're not wrong, you, but also, you know, telling it like it is. Um, it was not a great start for Darvish. It was not a terrible start, but it was not a great one. And the Cubs couldn't score as many runs as the Reds. So it just didn't work out okay despite um, that home run from Castellanos and a little bit of small ball late in the game. And that was not great. What happened on Saturday, I I guess I'm just going to say I'm thankful that both of us missed it because all I know is that Danny and I, every time they would flash the score at Guaranteed Rate Field slash the park formerly known as Comiskey because who names their park Guaranteed Rate Field, um, (laughs) We're just kind of like, what is going on in Cincinnati and what happened to Kyle Hendricks? <laughs> ah, gosh, I know. I mean, you feel bad for seven earned runs in it's very two, two third innings pitched. He gave up seven earned runs. That's insane. That's crazy. It's, it's not Kyle at all. Like this no. is I don't and I, I don't really want to go back and watch this one. So if somebody who did watch the game wants to drop into our Twitter and explain to Andy and I how Kyle Hendricks gave up 12 hits and seven earned runs. Please do. Well, I love, <laughs> you, know, did you really don't want to go watch it. I know, right? This is why, and this is what I appreciate. This is the first thing I read on Sunday morning. Yeah. This morning when I woke up and I was looking at Twitter, Al affectionately tweeted, I watched this game. So you didn't have to. So thank you, Al. for watching yeah. the game, So we don't have to. I haven't yeah, read about it yet. You, though. Al. you took one for the team. <laughs> Yeah, I I have no desire to go back and watch that. Yeah, so um, if you were coming into this podcast today looking for game three highlights, you're going to have to find a new podcast for today. (laughs) They come back because we've got game four highlights and other good stuff to talk about. Um, So Andy and I were texting about the timing of this show as the Cubs were losing to the Reds again. And both of us were kind of like full disclosure dreading (laughs) What this recording was going to sound like if the Cubs dropped another series on the road to the Reds. They did not. So game four was actually pretty awesome towards the end. Uh, It looked like nothing was going to go the Cubs way. And I mean nothing. It looked like every long fly ball they hit was going to be caught. Every possible like outstanding play in the infield was going to be made by the Reds. I mean, even Hap hit a ball in this game. 
that bounced on the top of the wall and came back into the park for a double. And I was like, is that where we're at right now? (laughs) Oh, baseball gods. They're not following us on the road. What is that all about? It's terrible. Um, But everything came together after that, and they actually started to get some balls to bounce their way. And Chris Bryant hit a really big three-run home run to give the Cubs the lead, and they never looked back. And you know what? People out there on Twitter, I never want to hear that KB is not clutch again. Ever. (laughs) You know, and I don't think I've screamed that loud while watching a Cubs game in a long time. When he hit that, I was screaming at the top of my lungs. I'm not even kidding. Me and my 10-year-old were sitting here watching it, and we both were screaming. Like, we needed that more than we need air. Like that totally. was huge. That was huge. So thank you so much for that, Chris, because that, I mean, I think that kind of restored faith in everybody that it is possible to win on the road when you're cheering for the Cubs. It's possible to win on the road. It's possible to beat the Reds. Michael Lorenzen is not some magical pitcher who like only destroys the Cubs. Like there were so many things going on there that I was like, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, that this ball <laughs> went out and the Cubs have a lead and I can breathe again. Um, Ian Happ then hit has hit his home run. He turns 25 tomorrow. So I'm going to call that a birthday home run because the Cubs have an off day on Monday. So he will not be playing on his 25th birthday, but he got his birthday home run. It did not bounce back in. It like solidly landed in the seats and the Cubs wound up winning this one six to three, which was great to see. Yeah, it definitely, you know what, and I was going to start this episode by saying this because definitely you take these, these series as a win like splitting the series yes it's the reds but they've been our kryptonite all year and we're on the road so splitting this series to me is a win i will take it well maybe they can win a series in philadelphia which we're going to talk about after the break but before we do i have two other things i want to talk about both about game four and just about the state of the nl central the first is that angel hernandez is terrible at his job i If I were a Reds fan in a game that was pretty close where Joey Votto had three strikeouts all called looking and all called on balls that were obviously balls, I would be furious right now because Angel hurt. I mean, I, you know, as a Cubs fan, I'm like glad that broke the Cubs way, but we've had so many times where that hasn't broken the Cubs way this year that I sort of feel for Reds fans today. And that was ridiculous. Joey Votto knows the strike zone and Angel Hernandez does not. And it is embarrassing that there is a major league umpire who is calling balls that all of us can see are ball strikes (laughs) on one of the best eyes in the game. It was just, it it was terrible and crazy. And I don't know how that man still has a job. Well, I I think the thing that I appreciated the most about this whole sequence of events was when Joey Votto went back into the dugout and the mics, the field mics picked him up, still screaming at Angel Hernandez. I did not hear what he was saying. I'm certain that it was not very nice. He did not get kicked out of the game, but it was fantastic that you could hear him still screaming at Angel Hernandez. And I, I mean, with every being with every inch of my being I did not disagree with him at all like I was basically screaming for him like Angel Hernandez is kind of a joke and you know the major league umpiring association needs to get on their ball right now and get this cleaned up because he is constantly constantly doing stuff like this and it you know ever I feel like every game that he's a part of becomes the Angel Hernandez show and it's just ridiculous 
Yeah, it definitely does. And you, I, today it happened to be a Cubs game, so we were watching it. But like every like, you know, at least once a week, Angel Hernandez is trending and you just know that he's blowing calls somewhere and destroying a Major League Baseball game. And it's absurd. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, meanwhile, around the Central, so the Cardinals and Brewers refused to go away. As I was writing up the notes, and admittedly this might have changed since I was typing these about 20 minutes ago, um, the Cardinals were only one game back. In the lost column, the Brewers were only two games back in the lost column, and both of them are losing, so that should probably improve um, in the Cubs' favor today. Actually, but man, these teams these teams are just not going away. Well, Milwaukee did end up losing. That's a final. So. Okay, so they're three games back in the lost yeah. column now. Yes. And it looks like the Cardinals are down four in Pittsburgh, so we'll see what that winds up being. But these teams are not going away. It's going to be a fight for the division the whole time. Uh, this division is not good for my anxiety, Andy. <laughs> What's going no, on with you? I 100% agree with you on that. It's it's not – there's no givens here. You know, it's going to be a race all the way to the end. If the Cubs can play the ball that they should be playing, then, you know, they might be able to put a little space between them and, and whoever's in second in September. <laughs> but – Right now, it just, they are not, yeah, they're not going away. And they have very favorable schedules. So we're not going to see them go away. You know, it, it's going to be one of those things where they're still going to keep it tight just based on who they're playing. And that's if they can win winnable games. We know how that works. So, I mean, who knows? It's up for grabs. Right now, it's just completely up for grabs. And yes, our anxiety levels are not going to go down anytime soon. Yeah, I think they're going to stay high in this Philly series. Um, let's take a quick break for our sponsors. And then on the flip side, we are going to talk about the Cubs heading to Philadelphia for three games. And we're back. So this, the NL East is wild. I don't even know. Like if you thought what's going on in the NL Central is wild, you've got nothing on the NL East. The Phillies are currently in fourth place in the NL East because the Mets decided they weren't dead yet. <laughs> they have won 15 of their last 16 games, which I follow a few Mets people on Twitter, mainly because the a pot of their own girls are amazing and uh, Kate Feldman is an awesome writer. And so I wind up getting a lot of Mets Twitter filtered into my Twitter and they're freaking out right now. And I can't say I blame them. The Mets are like on fire. It's the weirdest thing. I just hope that they cool off before the Cubs face them at it at City Field in about two weeks. I don't know what else to say, but the Phillies have by far been the loser in this division and they've really tumbled since the Cubs last saw them at Wrigley. What are you thinking? Well, currently the Mets are getting ready to drop a game to Washington. So they are will... they though? Yes. Are they? Are you yes. sure? Because it, like this has happened a few times this week. <laughs> I know, I know, and I <laughs> I know. So maybe I'm not sure, but it's seven to four and there's two outs in the bottom of the ninth. So okay. okay. Yeah. I mean it, it seems in all likelihood they're gonna end up losing this game. So they'll be 15 and out of 15 wins out of their last 17 games, which is still ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's one of those situations where, yeah, like you said, the East is just, whew, it is a hot mess, just like the Central. And you know what, this, this is what makes seasons really fun. I have to say, this is what's fun because I love knowing what's going to happen a couple weeks before, you know, playoffs start, but this is right now, as long as we can pull this off, I, I will say this is fun. It's just hard to not know. And the East, I kind of feel sorry for, for all these teams that thought they probably had the, the division locked down because teams just won't go away. And it's not, you know, 
I don't love that people expect teams to like go away in August and September. Like, oh, they'll fade away. They won't be in the running. They're, it won't even be close, that sort of thing. So I, I love this. I love that the Mets are, are kind of, you know, drawing some attention to themselves and winning some games and giving people a run for their money. And if they play spoiler, then, you know, let them play spoiler. Yeah, I agree. Baseball is better when the stretch is wild and crazy and anxiety inducing. Um, you know, it's not particularly fun to know that your team is totally out of it in June or July. So I, I know that this is good for the sport, but I'm simultaneously like, you know, breathing into a paper bag as I watch some of these games <laughs> to try to keep myself from passing out. Um, so speaking of this Phillies team that the Cubs are going to face, they've got some pretty hot bats right now. Roman Quinn is currently slashing 320, 375, 60 with a WRC plus of 141 over the last 14 days. And Corey Dickerson, who they recently acquired from the Pirates, is slashing 360, 360, 800 with a WRC plus of 193, which is wild. Um, I am definitely going to be keeping an eye on both of those guys. Bryce Harper, meanwhile, I don't know. I... His WRC plus is great uh, over the last two weeks. It's 135. He is only batting 217 over that time period. You know, he's a player who can always get hot. You know, the Cubs aren't going to take him for granted. Is there anybody that you're looking out for aside from those guys in this series, Andy? You know, this lineup, it's, you see a lot of names that have been around the league and that we've played on different teams and, I just think if our pitching is is who it can be when it should be, I don't think it matters. Bryce Harper, yeah, I feel like he's always had our number. He's somebody that I remember, you know, several series where we played Washington that we screamed at the top of our lungs at Joe to just walk him because he just couldn't stop hitting us at all. So I really hope we don't see that Bryce Harper. I feel like we haven't heard about him as much this season as we have in the past of course, he's in year one of a huge contract, so that might have something to do with it. But, I mean, you got people like, you know, JT Romuto, Sean Rodriguez, um, Reese Hoskins, guys that, you know, have been around the league and we've seen. So you just never know. You never know who could have a good series against us. But, again, if, if, our, te- if our pitching performs as they should – you know, none of these guys should be real factors. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm I'm really curious to see who shows up for them. Um, I haven't really been paying too much attention to them because you just, you know, like you said, the East is kind of a mess. So you don't know who's really going to come out of it. But um, I kind of expected to hear more about Bryce Harper. So we'll see where he's at when, when we end up um, there in, in a couple of days. I'll, I'll be curious to see how he how he looks in a a Phillies uniform. (laughs) Yeah, Bryce hasn't lived up to the deal that he made with the Phillies yet, although that doesn't mean that he can't. He obviously is a player who has the capacity to do that. Every time I sort of see smatterings of this on Twitter, it's like the where is Bryce Harper, why isn't he here type of stuff. Um, I hope he can continue to struggle a little bit until the Cubs are far, far away. I definitely don't want to be the team that causes the resurgence of Bryce Harper. That's not something that I would be looking forward to in the next week. Uh, You mentioned pitching, and so I think it's worth noting a couple of things about the probable pitchers for this matchup. The first is that the Cubs will not face Jake Arrieta. The Phillies play tonight on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, and Jake Arrieta will be pitching in that game. He has also been pitching with uh, bone spurs in his elbow, apparently. 
And they like only bother him sometimes. So he just comes out of gates when they start to bother him, which holy God, I can't imagine doing that um, with somebody who is a, you know, multi-million dollar pitcher, but I, I guess their medical staff knows more about that than I do. It feels like that's a thing that shouldn't happen. Um, the matchups are currently all listed as TBD on the Philly side because, of course, they are. I swear to God, teams are doing that to game the Cubs scouting system these days. So um, the Cubs are going to roll with Quintana, Hamels, and then Darvish. I then went to some fantasy baseball sites to see who they're projecting as the Philly starters because they're usually pretty accurate. And it looks like they're projecting Vargas, who the Phillies recently acquired from the Mets, followed by Aaron Nola, and then Drew Smiley. Um, Drew Smiley is kind of interesting to me. The Cubs have not seen him in a, in a long time. He They actually picked him up a couple of years ago and tried to rehab him after Tommy John surgery. And then if you remember, he went over to the Rangers in a deal last season. I think, was that the Jesse Chavez deal or am I? Yes. Yes, misremembering that yeah so the deal that brought Jesse Chavez rest in peace sunglasses at night he was one of my favorite pitchers (laughs) um over to the Cubs uh they they traded Drew Smiley to him he was sent to let go by the Rangers and the Phillies have taken a bit of a flyer on him um Andy what are you looking for from either the Cubs or the Phillies pitchers in these matchups well I mean we're throwing Quintana Hamilton Darvish Quintana has been amazing his past couple starts um, he's got something like 110 strikeouts. He's becoming, um, I think he, I don't want to say he's becoming, I, I feel like he's coming into his own is how I should say it. I feel like he is really starting to, to buckle into who he is as a pitcher on this staff. And now this is, you know, a year some odd later, but he's been amazing. He's been awesome. I don't see him tailing off anytime soon. I, I see a pretty, solid performance from him. Hamels, uh, you really hope that he comes out and is looking more like the Hamels that we saw his first game back. He had a little bit of a rough go at Cincinnati and, you know, you wanted to see him bounce back and give us a solid start. At least some long innings, especially with our bullpen in the shape that it is right now. Darvish, I can't tell you how much I appreciated that quote that he gave after his start. Like to me, <laughs> seriously, that was amazing. Like for him to just come out and say it, it, it's, it was very John Lester-ish, you know, it was. <laughs> wasn't it? I'm like, this kid is actually, he's learning some things. He's getting some things from, from the veterans around him. And I love that. And I love that he was very much in touch with how it went and he knows everybody, you know, is, was kind of looking at him, like, you know, take some accountability here. And, you know, he, he still, I felt like it was a decent performance, but yes, I mean, obviously he gave up bad pitches to some really good hitters. So you look for him to correct those mistakes in his start against Philadelphia and hopefully see a real solid performance from him because he's had a really good track record, you know, his last few starts coming into Cincinnati. So you hope to see him bounce back and give us a solid performance. So you know, I'm curious to see what Drew Smiley looks like on their end. It was, he was somebody who was supposed to be halfway decent for the Chicago Cubs. And I don't, did we ever even see him pitch in a Cubs uniform? Uh, we did not. He played a couple of games in Iowa. And actually, I'm trying to remember um, when exactly he went over and what he did with the Rangers. I, I don't remember what he did with the Rangers. He never pitched for the Cubs. And once the Cubs um, signed Cole Hamels, it just sort of became 
And if, I don't think he went over in the Chavez deal now that I think about it. I think he was let go over the offseason or traded over the offseason. I, I can't remember exactly which. I'd have to go back and look this up. Um, but he, yeah, he became sort of superfluous. We didn't need another starter when we decided that Cole Hamels was resurgent. And that was sort of where they landed with him. You know, he's always been a great pitcher. Um, he's always had a lot of potential. He has not been great in his last few starts. It sounds like he pitched last on Friday. It was a no decision. He get, uh, allowed four earned runs on seven hits with three walks over five and two thirds innings against the Giants. I, we'll see. He's had a couple of good starts and, a, and some not good starts. So it'll be interesting to see Smiley. Yeah, I just remember there was um, a lot of talk about him being, you know, the next big thing for the Cubs. And I think, didn't we pick him up after, right after he had had Tommy John? Yeah. 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 So I, I'm just real curious to see what he's like. And, you know, it's kind of in the in the routine of the Cubs these days to pitchers that they are not terribly familiar with or pitchers, you know, a similar situation to this. They don't do well. So you would like to see them kind of break out of that and just come out with, you know, a booming offense, because it's time, guys, it's time. I don't know if you've looked at the calendar, but it's time. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice to see that. I mean, and then just uh, for people who may not be as familiar with Jason Vargas, Jason Vargas is one of these pitchers who's having a nice start to the season with the Mets, although by all accounts, he was kind of overperforming his peripherals and what everybody thought he would be doing. Um, he also allowed four and runs on four hits over five innings in his last start for the Phillies. So he might actually be on the far side of, you know, um, coming back to earth for this season in 2019. And if so, the Cubs could really do some damage there and you would love to see that happen. Um, Aaron Nola is not quite as dominant as he had been last year, but he's still, he's still a great pitcher. And so we'll see what the Cubs can do with Aaron Nola. Uh, in game two. So real quick, I was able able to pull this up just to clear it up in case anybody was trying to find it themselves. Um, in November 2018, the Cubs traded Smiley and a player to be named later to the Texas Rangers in exchange for a player to be named later. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then let's see, he was released by Texas in June. And then on July 1st, 2019, he signed a minor league deal with the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, he elected free agency on July 18th and then July 21st signed a major league deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. So he's, what? he's been around, he's been around for, this year, yeah. <laughs> but a busy year around. for Mr. Smiley. He's like yeah. that guy on the commercial that keeps getting traded. Um, <laughs> so a couple of Cubs bats to keep an eye on. I know we normally do this with our opposing teams, but in case you missed it, some of these Cubs players are super hot right now. I'm looking at you, Kyle Schwarber, who is slashing 375, 524, 875 over the last 14 days with a WRC plus of, wait for it, 246. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Kyle Schwarber is on fire, people. His, his walk percentage right now is 19%. Uh, and he's only striking out like 10% of the time. So keep your eye on Kyle Schwarber. He could be in the middle of a really good hot streak. And then, of course, I'm sure you've all noticed that Nicholas Castellanos is just, he's ridiculous right now. He's the second hottest hitter on the team, slashing 357, 400, 786 with a WRC plus of 199. Can I, can I also mention something about him? I, I meant to bring it up earlier. 
he had a fantastic catch today. I don't know if you saw that. I did. And he yes. pointed at Jason Hayward when he got up. So I'm pretty much guessing that Jason Hayward asked or told him to shade a certain way or to move a certain direction. So he was kind of t- telling him this is where he's going to hit the ball. And he, you could see he was positioned quite well. That was still a really great catch. But the second he got up from sliding and making the grab, he pointed at Jason Hayward. So I'm like, listen, I, I don't know who was scouting his defense before he came to the Chicago Cubs, but change the scenery, people. Change the scenery because he looks fantastic. Yeah, that I did notice the catch. I did not see him motion to Jason Hayward. That's incredible. And I am, you know, both Nicholas Castellanos and Jonathan Lucroy, if they come in as hungry guys who are out here trying to win some games with a team that is way better than what they've been playing on for the last few years, that could really light a fire under this squad. And I was pretty excited to see the Cubs um, pick up two games against the Reds, given the state of the bullpen right now. Yeah, that's that. There's my anxiety right there. (laughs) Well, hopefully the bullpen will only give us good things to talk about after this Philly series. Uh, Monday is an off day, but we will have this episode up so that you can listen to it. And we will come back to chat all things Phillies and then look ahead to what the Cubs are doing next. You can find us on Twitter at at Cup of Cubby Blue. You can follow me at at BCB underscore Sarah, and you can follow Andy at at Briz underscore Blue. Talk to you next time. Have a good one. Bye.